Hey guys, what is up? Welcome back to Flourishing with PTSD, a podcast designed to help normalize conversations around mental health, specifically in the context of PTSD, also known as post-traumatic stress disorder. If this is your first time tuning in for an episode, I would like to personally welcome you. If you are a regular listener or someone who occasionally pops in for an episode here and there, welcome to you as well. My name is Manda and I am the host. This is as good a time as any to let you know that I am not a medical professional in any capacity. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a therapist. I am, however, a survivor of my own fair share of trauma, and that's why I'm here because so many of us are survivors of trauma, and we deserve to have a community where we can learn from each other, feel heard, and feel less alone in the thick of it all, so... I will go ahead and put a big trigger warning on today's episode, so make sure to check in with yourself, see how you're doing, and then decide whether or not to continue today. So today I am so fortunate to be joined by someone who is also a survivor, and she has so courageously stepped into this space to share her story with me and the Flourishing with PTSD community, not only sharing her story, but also how she found relief and assistance for her PTSD symptoms. I am so honored to be here today holding space, not only for her as she speaks with me today, but also for all of you out there who are listening. And you know, it's beyond incredible to me that there are listeners all around the world tuning in for this podcast, and we are all unified by similar horrific experiences. And, you know, in these brief episodes, we are all connected, and hopefully we find peace and relief in the understanding that, you know, we're not alone when we in what we go through or why or how we experience it. So I'm going to stop babbling now, and I would love for our guest to introduce herself to us. So please tell us a little bit about who you are and how you found the Flourishing with PTSD community. Hey guys, um, my name is Natalie and um, I came across this podcast a few months ago, actually right around the same time I got my diagnosis of PTSD back in June um because we I had been in therapy for a few months by then and we I had known that it was a possibility so we were just actually waiting on the results from my exam and I was just like desperate for more information and I stumbled upon this podcast and it has helped so much so thank you Amanda for all the work that you've put into this because it has shown a lot of light on just things in general and helping me like intellectualize different symptoms and triggers and just all of that stuff. It's just, it's a whole mumble jumbo and it's just, (laughs) it's so overwhelming and I'm sure you can relate. It's just like, and I've got ADHD too. So I just hyper-focus on that stuff. So I just was like, so overwhelmed at that time. And like your podcast just to help, you know, it was a really good start for me to just get everything in my head just organized so yeah I do want to put that out there for you yeah oh my gosh (laughs) I can't imagine having ADHD on top of PTSD I mean I'm sure that that definitely like accentuates a lot of the symptomology there Um, oh my gosh (laughs) it's it's like it's a joke like yeah it's crazy but that's my normal I don't know what normal is anymore. So that's what we're on a journey to figure out over here. <laughs> Dude, yes. And like, what is um, normal, right? <laughs> but yeah, so a little bit about me. I am 22, almost 23. Um, I live in Utah right now. And um, I do real estate here. I've got a little art shop that I started up in quarantine last year that just started taking off. So I'm super happy about that. Um because the artwork I'll touch on a little bit later, I think. Um, but that alone is just so therapeutic for my brain. Mm. <laughs> like, it just is helps so much to just have something like that that's productive and creative. That it's like I can get my mind off the nasty stuff sometimes that is up there thanks to PTSD. And so it's just it's a nice break. Um, So I love that. Um, And then I do have a dog, which I will talk about for (laughs) sure. 
Um, he is in training right now to be a full service dog. He's been an emotional support animal since I've had him the last three years. But since I got my diagnosis, we just, me and my parents decided to um, take it a step further. So we're in that training process now. So I'm hoping before the end of the year, we'll have that certification, but that's the goal <laughs> at least. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so exciting to have the the dog. I'm sure that that has just helped tremendously. And I can't wait to hear about that and also hear about the other stuff that we're going to talk about today. I'm just so excited to have you here. I know, me too. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So before we get to talking about, you know, like that assistance with relief for symptoms, because now you've been on your journey and you've been, you know, actively looking for ways to help yourself. And like you said, just Mm -hmm. kind of intellectualize and just learning to like how to articulate what you're going through. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you mind sharing as much of your story as you are comfortable sharing? Yeah. So I am a victim of both sexual and emotional abuse, Um, sexual abuse as a child. um, My first incident was at age five and, um, my abuser was my Sunday school teacher at my church. Um, so someone that, you know, should be trusted and, you know, parents in the church are trusting those adults to send their kids with. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the second incident was actually in 2019. Um Actually, I don't want to speak too much on that one. That's okay. um, That's okay. Yeah. So there's those two. And then emotional abuse has kind of been scattered kind of throughout at different times. Um, And so there's kind of just a lot of things that it's just all been weird to figure out this this year. Because I only started going to therapy about six months ago. And so it's like everything came crashing down all at once. And then like so many things that I thought were normal in my life, I find out are very not. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, well, like my whole entire view of the world is completely like not shattered, but just changed like forever. So then it's like adjusting to this new view and then like you're just learning new things all the time. I feel like I'm just everywhere all the time and maybe that's like ADHD as well. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just kind of, um, I don't know, I kind of, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Well, first of all, I just want to say that, you know, I'm so sorry that those things have happened to you and you know that should never happen to anyone as you very well know I don't need Mm -hmm. to say that but we all need to hear it though and um Mm -hmm. so I'm just I'm truly so so sorry that that has happened to you um and you said that your story uh initially took place uh when you were young um -hmm. do you mind if I ask how did you tell your parents and you know like the people in your life that something had happened to you how did that conversation come about it was like that part's honestly really fuzzy and like and it was for a really long time until I started to talk to my parents more about it in the last like year or so because I had thought um I think I remember telling my older brother who so I was five at the time and my brother was two years older so he was seven at the time and I my memory, I feel like I remember saying something to him in the foyer of the church before we left of saying mm-hmm. like, yo, like, <laughs> um, so this happened. This was really weird. Should I tell mom and dad? And he was like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. And I just remember like both of us kind of just like let it go. I think because like a five and seven year old brain cannot comprehend that, you know, like all we know is like safety with mom and dad. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but then I guess my mom had said that it was like a couple of days later when, um, so in the incident, it was me. And then there was two other girls that were also victims. And so the mother of one of the other girls 
they she came knocking on our door and she was obviously in tears and was like we have to talk and then uh, I guess we talked about everything that had happened like in the front room so that part is very very fuzzy to me that's what my mom said it happened I don't really remember that too well but um what's really weird and specific for me is just like that like um conversation in the foyer which with my brother I think I haven't talked to him about it though so I don't know if he even remembers that but it's hard when these traumas happen at such a young age is because your memory is so spotty and so that's the hard thing is it's not linear Mm -hmm. and so and I'm sure you understand that to a degree as well as like when you get flashbacks sometimes it's like different parts of it and so then it's like the more flashbacks you get the more you can kind of piece that memory together does that even make sense oh totally yeah that's exactly what happened to me as well the best way I can even think to explain it but that's kind of what my experience has been through therapy and even just like before then when it was getting really bad yeah, And I was just like, why am I thinking about this all the time? This is weird. I don't want to be thinking about this all the time. But then like randomly, like the dude's face would be like right there. And it's just amazing to me, like with how traumatic some of these traumas are. I mean, all of these traumas are very traumatic. I'm not downplaying anything else, but it's yeah. just like even for a brain that was like... <laughs> five years developed is all can remember a detail that clearly you know and like your body too because it's like that whole I don't know um I haven't read it all the way through yet but it's I think it's called um oh the body keeps the score that's yes yes and how trauma relates to in the body and how the body remembers but like the mind's all not always consciously thinking of it right Mm -hmm. and how you can go into a panic attack or get triggered without consciously thinking of that thing right it's because your body recognized that feeling I don't know yeah that's exactly it it's kind of crazy how it all just correlates and so that's the hard thing with like childhood trauma is it's very very spotty and it's hard to put together so it's been quite the the journey I would say the last like few years is when I started getting the flashbacks really bad yeah and just and yeah so what I'm hearing you say and that I want to make sure is clear to listeners is that you know there can be a trauma that took place like in your situation, Natalie, where, you know, you're young and you might not remember all of the details, you know, in a linear storyline, but the trauma is still there and it was very real. And yeah, you're working with a five-year-old brain. And so of course it's going to be fuzzy, but that doesn't take away from the fact that this was a very traumatic experience, right? Right. Right. Or like how it didn't really affect me, like, or just how it got suppressed for so long before it came back years later and how that is totally normal Mm -hmm. for things to happen, you know, with PTSD and how sometimes it does manifest itself for years afterwards. So in my case, you know, my therapist was like, well, you know, your five-year-old brain couldn't comprehend that now it's coming back and you have to process that again as an adult and put words to all those feelings and just put substance to all of that so you can make peace and like let it go and I was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not Um, exactly what you want to (laughs) hear like okay like wow I didn't think that's what I was in for but here we go let's (laughs) knuckle up sis I don't know (laughs) like you don't have a choice if you want to be happy like we gotta go through this (laughs) right yeah it's like okay I don't want to be through my boy (laughs) yeah it's like okay do we want to live with PTSD or do we want to actively heal with PTSD yeah oh my gosh (laughs) it's just that's what it came down to you know I was just like so I was so miserable for like 
months straight and then I finally like in March of this year I was just like well clearly this one I can't pull out of on my own (laughs) so let's just make the call let's just we'll give it a chance we'll give we'll give it one time right and then like my first session she was like yeah no we got (laughs) she just dropped all of these truth bombs and then I was like okay wow yeah I'll stay (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh it's kind of crazy how it all like came crashing down slash put together (laughs) yeah well and I just gotta say you know I think that you are an incredibly strong individual to you know see that you know you have a problem right like there's something here that is present in your life and you're like, okay, I can either sit with this or I can take a step and get some help and explore these options because being miserable is not going to be my only option. And I Mm -hmm. appreciate that so much listening to you. Um, That's just incredible. Um, So speaking of that, what does living with PTSD look like for you? Like first, like let's start with triggers. What do triggers look like for you? Uh, triggers I'm still like I'm figuring out new ones like here and there all the time it's kind of weird um but I mean most of mine all have to do with um that safety aspect and so I'm very paranoid like you know going out on my own unless my dog is with me and he's mm-hmm. a German shepherd, by the way. I feel like I should mention. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, people, I have had people cross the street <laughs> just because <laughs> they think he looks intimidating when, like, he's really just not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once you get to know him, you know, but, um, oh, my heck. What was I saying? Where did I just leave off? No, you get the triggers. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry. You're okay. <laughs> I'm hoping, I was hoping the the ADHD wouldn't be so crazy <laughs> today, but we're working with what we got. So You're doing great. But, yeah, so having my dog helps a lot with that, but um, I mean, walking in a parking lot, just especially at night when I'm alone, that's like very, I'm just always on edge and just like not really like paying attention to what's going on other than like you know I'm well I don't mean it like that let me rephrase that it's just like I'm scanning for any potential threat and Mm -hmm. so I'm like hardwire focused on what's going on and so um just or just like going out at night Like, when I would go out to the bars with my friends, I never really liked to drink too much because it just got, like, my anxiety would get so bad. Mm. Um, But lately, I don't know, I just, I had an epiphany in the last week with a new trigger, which is just awesome. (laughs) But hey, you know, it's really good to recognize these things so we can work on them, right? Right. But, like, we discovered that winter is not just, like, something that we hate. It's, like, an actual trigger. So, it's just, like, you know, we had three panic attacks last week for that alone. (laughs) Wow. Because, and it just got triggered by me being cold. And so, um, it's just been super, it's been super weird because it's, like, it was the first trigger really that was different from my other ones because it was like the body remembered but like I couldn't consciously figure out why like I would be so freaked out by being cold (laughs) you know like why would that instigate pure panic I couldn't make sense of it and then I don't know I'm thinking I mean, this is something I'll still have to mention to my therapist this week because this only happened like two days ago, but um, just we got to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I think both my sexual assault incidences were in the wintertime. And so that's where I'm thinking the correlation is. Mm. So 
I don't know. It's just interesting how all this stuff is just intertwined with trauma and healing and just triggers and everything. Totally. So um, with that, what like, you know, kind of moving in. So those are some of the things that you've learned. Right. And that's the thing about PTSD, too, is that, you know, you don't just automatically get the diagnosis and know your triggers. It's kind of like an investigation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How does that impact you, your daily life right now? I mean, I don't go out very often right now just because, like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I've. I work a lot anyway and so usually I'm just like super tired but then there's also been like there is like a solid month actually in like August where I just was like not cool I was like I do not even want to be close to crowds right now I don't trust a single person right now (laughs) Mm. and I I don't know it's just like unless my dog can come with me I'm not going anywhere because like I apparently right now I don't trust myself enough to like look out for myself. So I don't want to put myself in any situation that's going to do that. That's what the anxiety says. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, so I finally broke out of that a little bit, but it's still just like a little bit weird for me being in big crowds. So I don't really go out a whole lot, which is fine. I'm not hurt by that, (laughs) (laughs) but um. I mean, overall, like, I mean, another one of my biggest symptoms is just the physical pain. I don't know if you get many of those, like, body aches, but, like, all of the stress I carry, like, in my shoulders and then my Mm. lower back, and those just are aching all the time, and it's just, honestly, it's just a matter of, like, is it just kind of figuratively is it like a light backpack today or are we carrying like 40 pounds of our belongings backpacking through the mountains type of deal (laughs) like and it's just like I don't know that that probably is the hardest one I deal with right now is I'm just like I'm so achy because that depression is just and stress is just so brutal like Yes, it's a mental illness, but when it gets bad enough and it starts manifesting itself physically in your body, it is so brutal. (laughs) Like, I laugh, but, like, it's either laugh or cry. (laughs) Right, right. It's just so painful sometimes, you know? And, like, on those days where the load is light, you're, like, prancing up and down because you're like, oh, my heck this feels amazing. Like this, is this what normal people feel like? (laughs) I know. And you just have to like really take those days in. At least I do because they're like, they're getting more common now, but for a while, for a few months until, you know, I had been in therapy for a while, like those days were pretty few and far between. So when I did get those feel good days, I was like, hell yeah let's go (laughs) I'm like Drake's we're going to the mountains like let's go for a hike (laughs) there you go nice escape yeah 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 okay so yeah Uh, you're saying that your symptoms can also form you know physically as well yeah oh the other oh I forgot one other huge trigger which luckily has not happened for a a long time but um it's one of those ones where you're just like, you have the anxiety of it ever happening again. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so like I mentioned earlier, I'm a, I'm a realtor and I'm basically 23. So I'm young, I'm blonde, blue eyed, whatever. And it's just like when I have a client that is a single male, you know, at a minimum 30 and up, it's just my guard is on steroids like my guard is so far up because I had had a couple of clients like not it didn't go anywhere because I didn't let it but they just had been one of them had just been too flirty the other one I called him out and he was like actually well I wasn't ever interested in buying a house in the first place I just wanted to take you out on a date (laughs) and I was like okay that's you're blocked forever 
And wow. so it's just always something that I've been wary of, you know, as part of my job. So it does, you know, I do have quite a bit of anxiety overall, but I, especially at work at times and like, you know, I'm holding open houses by myself half the time. Um, or when I do hold open houses, those are by myself, you know, and, mm-hmm. or just like, and then, so I'm holding an open house in a stranger's house, essentially with strangers and anyone off the street can just walk in and the door's unlocked. So there's just a level of anxiety, I guess, that I kind of always have there and it's gotten better. Um, but the my first year in the business was really, really hard that way because it just was like, I couldn't even fathom that ever happening. And then I sold new construction for a while and I was the one, I was the only one in this model home out in the middle of nowhere every mm. day. <laughs> With no security system and anyone, I, like, had to leave the door unlocked, you know, and so that was, like, that was really tough for a while, and so, and that was part of the reason why I got my dog is because I wanted to train him to be able to come out there with me, and then that, you know, ended up not working out for reasons, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a story for another time, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of, it's infiltrates everything in a really weird way and like it's just it's different yeah if that makes any sense but it and I do think that it helps to work for myself in a way Mm. because I'm not having to worry about anyone necessarily watching my back the last place I worked before I was working now was very disrespectful towards women and Mm -hmm. so um I think there's a little bit of residual stuff from that at times and to where like just anxiety of working for you know under someone else like that again of like that typical setup um that's where I guess the working for myself aspect is really good and beneficial for me personally (laughs) Totally. Um, it's just like yeah it's it's weird it's weird the real estate anxiety though has gotten a little bit a little bit better but um I had to take some time off this summer with everything with my diagnosis and stuff so we're just barely getting into that again <laughs> yeah understandably so, so. <laughs> we're like kind of you know relearning everything in a way of just as far as handling situations like that and just managing the anxiety there yeah you know because it can't get in the way of being able to perform well right mm-hmm. that's yeah, where that's where it gets out of line but um yeah and then oh I wanted to mention the sleep too yeah yeah that is just that <laughs> I think anyone with PTSD just, you know, sleep is just not something that we get (laughs) very Mm -hmm. often, whether that's from nightmares, night terrors, or just not being able to sleep at all. Um, I think I'm finally starting to get into a more regular routine and I've put like routine and fat air quotes (laughs) (laughs) because you know we're still doing our best but um my biggest problem for the longest time was falling asleep yeah I I admit didn't usually didn't have a problem staying asleep it was just falling asleep gotcha and like that's when my mind would just start racing it didn't matter how tired I was it would start just going crazy and then my heart would start pounding and then we'd stare at the ceiling for three hours (laughs) oh yeah been there been there (laughs) so yeah luckily those days are I think mostly behind us they're few and far between though I can happily say that (laughs) good good that's what I wish for 
everyone listening to. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? yes. So a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, and a lot of physical symptoms, hard to sleep. That definitely impacts the daily life. And mm-hmm. so I'm sure that that has an impact on you know, like relationships too, like friends, family, any romantic relationships, I imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No physical touch is weird unless like there's that established level of trust beforehand. And that doesn't matter if it's like a romantic touch or not. It's like, if you high five me too soon, like, (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) That's a little extreme. But like, you know, some people are just very, some people are very touchy feely. And like, the people who are genuinely like that, that's not a problem. But it doesn't fly super well with me. Like, I don't get angry with them. But it's like, you know, because I can tell if it's a genuine like, oh, they're, you know, some people just like to hug right off the bat. Mm hmm. And I'm just like, no, I have my, my bubble. Like I will give you permission to hug me (laughs) in like a few minutes maybe, but like probably not. (laughs) Yeah. But no, just like that. I just have that personal bubble. And so when that kind of gets threatened a little bit in any way, and that can be like physically, or that can sometimes even be like, just emotionally too like if you like I haven't had it happen very often but like some people just you know they get friendly super quick and then they start asking super deep questions off the bat and I'm like (laughs) no um no but um yeah the physical touch can be weird but it's also a love language so riddle me that one but right but I guess the key factor in there is that that like trust level you know established of like either you know family friend or like if it's a romantic person like hey I know you're not gonna like push the buttons with me Mm -hmm. and you're gonna be respectful so like I'm fine if you like whatever you know put your hand on my back when we're like walking in a restaurant or something like that or like holding my hand or something I'm not gonna freak out yeah yeah it's really amazing the um you know also just like the different types of relationships and also the when you think about it like when you look at it through a lens of PTSD realizing how much un like I don't know if unsolicited is the right word but like the amount of touch between relatively like new people like strangers is so normalized and I'm like how did we get what no yeah like you know because people think they're just being like friendly and outgoing but it's like you know I'm not trying to like cause an issue here but no that makes me a little bit uncomfortable please keep your distance until I'm comfortable with you in my presence (laughs) right exactly (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, it just, it makes dating super difficult. It can make, it can put tension on, you know, relationships with friends and family. I'm sure you've been there at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, it's just like, you know, my, my biggest thing has been the, the trust issues that underlie a lot of things. And that just filters into everything. It's filtered into work, and, like, you know, the place I'm at now is probably, like, the healthiest place I've been at. And, like, I didn't really know what that looked like. And so when they, you know, had stepped in, you know, to help me out a couple of times over the summer. And I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. well, that's that's what I would have hoped you would have done. But, like, wait, I didn't, I didn't know that was, like, a thing, you know? And then same thing with you know dating it's just like it's hard because it's hard to be open and vulnerable when you have those you know when you just are trying to get to know someone but you're not fully trusting of them yet but then it's conflicting because in order to form a relationship whether that's romantic or a friendship you know vulnerability is absolutely like required you you have to be vulnerable with each other if you want to connect on any level that's not surface level you know right and 100%. so but it's just like kind of sometimes breaking through that initial barrier is like 
it's hard and sometimes it takes me a while to get there and so you know whoever takes me has has a lot of patience (laughs) you know I'm working on it I'm working on it but like (laughs) sometimes it's a struggle yeah I have never related to anything more in my life oh my gosh (laughs) yeah yeah it's like it's just I'm not I just can't really be bothered sometimes (laughs) like that's kind of where I'm at now is I'm just like I don't know like it's a lot of work for me and like it's probably a decent amount of work for them too so (laughs) yeah you know if that comes along great but like until then you know I have plenty of things that I'm trying to do and work on that it's not like something that's really there but I don't know yeah yeah it's just it's amazing how it just filters into everything. I know I keep saying that, but that's been my biggest epiphany in this entire <laughs> year is like, it like affects everything. It affects every part of your life. PTSD does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, is there, you know, like clearly like a lot of symptoms are present. Right. And I mean, yeah, I can definitely relate to a lot of what you're saying. Um, is there a way that, you know, like therapy has helped you that you're able to kind of articulate for people? Um, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think the best way that I could put it in the way that I understood it for me was that it helped me put everything like I everything in my brain was just scattered and it was like everything was just a puzzle like if it was a puzzle all these pieces are just scattered everywhere all over the floor and I'm desperately trying to pick them up but then it just keeps breaking or the pieces don't fit and I'm just like that's figuratively what I felt like you know before therapy and therapy has helped me you know it's like slowly just picking up those pieces literally one by one every day (laughs) yeah and just slowly like putting it together like we've come so far in the last six months and I'm very proud of that but we still have a lot to go and that's part of the healing journey anyway you know you know unfortunately you know we're stuck with this for a long time (laughs) it's not to say find ways to cope with it and get through it you know right so how do you cope with it times when it's really bad those don't last forever and that's what is really hard to remember but we have to remember is that when it's really really bad it's it's temporary and just like hold on to that like saving grace that like last thread of your will to live (laughs) hold on so tight to that because it is so strong and it will keep you alive and it's just you know the hard times won't last forever and when it does get through that then it makes the good times even better and so I'm telling myself that too because it gets hard (laughs) You know, I just went through, I think I just broke out of like this month long kind of depressive episode in the last like week or so. It's just kind of like, holy cow. It's so draining, but, you know, there's ways that we can power through and that we can cope with it. And if we can have this, even if it's small, a good support system is like, the make or break it I think you know you gotta have at least one person that you can you know confide in or that is helping you because you know we can all sit here and tell ourselves that we can do it and like we can but like it helps so much when we have that extra push from someone else you know whether that's like a parent or a friend or like even if it's like your therapist and you don't even have anyone outside of that like you still have that one person and that's better than nothing and so I've kind of realized that myself too yeah so you've talked a couple of times about coping and um 
I know that in preparation for this episode, we were talking about a way in particular that you have found is helpful in your coping with PTSD symptoms. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. And I know, <laughs> I know we're getting a little bit short on time. So I'll try to make, I'll try to um, make it as concise as I can. But um, I will say the number one thing outside of therapy um, that has helped, um, and everyone has different opinions on the matter. But um, for me, it's been medical cannabis. And I got my medical card the week after I got my diagnosis of PTSD. And um, at the time, I was on an antidepressant. And then soon to be, they wanted to add, my doctor wanted to, I can't remember what it was called, that they wanted to add a little supplement on top of that, as well as... um, Adderall for ADHD and I was just I was scared to death and so but luckily um my doctor and the clinical psychiatrist that did my um my psych evaluation both of them were in full support of me getting the medical card and going that route so I was super grateful for that because I was just like before you know I've all these side effects on these drugs like this is this Mm. just scares the crap out of me I'm already like suffering from half of these I don't want to make them any worse and like I had already been you know self-medicating if you'd like to call it that (laughs) yeah for like not not every day but periodically you know because I had discovered that it had you know made me feel a lot better (laughs) And so then they were in full support of that. And so I was like, well, heck yeah, let's go. So we went and got the medical card and that I've been on that ever since that got me off my antidepressant. And so I've literally just been on prescribed medical cannabis since then. That's all I'm on right now. And, you know, is it still hard? I I still have my hard days, of course, but it makes it so much more manageable and it makes it so that I can, you know, continue to work. It makes it so I can feel like I want to go out and socialize and be with my friends and my family and like want to go out and and do things, you know, and I don't just want to sit at home and, you know, be a dud. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which seems, you know, some people like to say that, like, it makes you lazy. No, it doesn't. At least, you know, I can speak for that for myself. All like it completely. I started using it at night alone just to help me sleep. And it was the only thing that was strong enough to calm my nervous system down. But it didn't like overdo it either I could still function I could still you know have a conversation if I needed to but like um if I used it at night to help me sleep it would just like calm me down like heart rate would just like slow and then I could just fall asleep and that's how it started and then um once I kind of started doing that a little bit I think it was like a for about a month after I got my medical card, um, I started using it in the morning as well. And then um, I have this little tincture and that's just CBD. So um, I'm trying to like keep this all concise. So like, <laughs> there is like so much information about all of this. So I'm sorry if I'm speaking in circles and I hope I'm making sense to everyone. <laughs> but um you know, if you're going to go the medical cannabis route, it definitely, I would recommend, you know, coupling that with therapy and, you know, that's when you'll reap the most benefits, I think. And that's definitely how I've seen it reflect in my life the last six months. And, um, you know, just things and, you know, there's different ways you can take it there. I smoke it because that's my preferred method, but I've mm-hmm. used edibles as well. It's just um, those I haven't experimented with near as much. And 
where I have a lot of things I need to do during the day, it's kind of hard to experiment with that unless I'm on <laughs> vacation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but right now I just, I use that and then I have a little tincture with CBD and that's what I was going to recommend as well as um, like combining the two aspects of THC and CBD because CBD really helps with the anxiety and the aches and just the pain and everything as well. Mm. Um, That's what it helps with me too is the back pain that I was mentioning earlier. Is it just like it completely numbs that or not numbs it, but it just like dulls it down to where I just can't really feel it anymore. (laughs) If that makes sense. Like it, I mean, it comes back of course, but um, it's temporary relief. So I guess it's not like, you know, an end all cure all, but I'm grateful that I've been able to use it and that like living in Utah, (laughs) how strict our regulations are here. I'm so grateful that I've found something that works for me like this and, um, you know, and it's just, it's helped me more than anything else. I'm sleeping better. I, you know, it's helped me. It helps with the ADHD as well. And like just channeling that focus to a more healthier focus. It's not like, um, you know, I'm not stopping projects in the middle of what I'm doing to start something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just, um, it just kind of makes it so I can process my thoughts easier as well, because it's just like constantly ruminating and just going a hundred miles an hour at all times. And so, when you get that little bit of a high, I mean, I'll be honest, it's <laughs> down a little bit, but for me, it works for me because I'm just, you know, the PTSD brain and ADHD brain combined is just hyperactive all the time. <laughs> so, you know, I will say it's not for everyone, but, um, you know, if you're curious to try things out, you know, look into your state's regulations on it, see what your options are. And if you're able to, then there is absolutely no shame and no harm in, you know, taking that route and figuring out if it works for you. And if it doesn't work, then that's totally okay. And you find something else that does. But, um, you know, I am grateful that you know, with more research, there's more and more research coming out about it every day. And so, you know, I have a lot of hope for the future of how, you know, the industry, the cannabis industry is going to go. So we will see, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still like, there's still so much that I'm trying to learn about it. And um, I am by no means an expert. I am just speaking from my experience and what has worked for me and so that has been what's been doing it kind of and you know we're at a functioning state now (laughs) where we weren't for a long time I'll be honest we we struggled for a long time um and then you know once things started coming together with therapy and then this now with the medical card it's it's a lot easier. And so, you know, for anyone out there that's struggling, there is hope. It's not, you know, feel it out. You got to feel those bad days. You can't suppress those. I don't suggest it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, and it's okay to not be okay. And so, you know, everybody has our bad days. And so take that, do some self-care you know, do a face mask if you're a lady or a man, who cares? Right. Face masks are super nice. That's my go-to face mask, glass of wine, and an old-fashioned movie. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You have me wanting to do that right and now. And doggy cuddles. <laughs> like, cuddles with the dog, too. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. That is awesome. Okay. We are going to take a short break, and we'll be right back to finish up this awesome conversation. I can't wait to talk more. We'll be right back.
Awesome. And we are back with Natalie and she has been sharing with me and the rest of the listeners of Flourishing with PTSD a little bit about her experience with cannabis, medical marijuana, if you will. Um, So Natalie, I have another question for you about like your use of marijuana or cannabis um, is, um, you know, I... I've kind of perceived myself and I'm sure this is kind of just a societal stigma um, that's out there, but, you know, a stigma on the use of marijuana as if it's, you know, this absolutely horrible thing, you know, or maybe only like certain kinds of like stereotypical people use it. So can you talk about that? Like, do you feel that stigma as well? And like, how do you experience that? And what do you have to say about that? Um... Hmm. I mean, I think it depends on where you live, (laughs) (laughs) if there's a stigma around it or not. But honestly, I think overall, I would say, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any denying that there's, you know, a societal kind of weirdness around that at times, especially where I live in Utah. That's just kind of like a, I don't know you're either okay with it or you're completely not <laughs> yeah 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 it's kind of an interesting dynamic here in Utah um but I don't know I haven't experienced it too much and if anything like I was kind of worried about so I did a post a few weeks ago on my Instagram um because I had did a couple posts a few months ago just kind of explaining like a little bit about my situation and you know and my diagnosis of getting PTSD and then I just kind of decided on a whim to just talk about this one day and I was like you know that the other posts I did I had gotten some sweet comments from like a couple friends and then even some people that I didn't know that were like thank you for you know sharing this like this makes me you know it just helped them Mm. and so then I was like well maybe you know this is what's helping me and so you know at the end of the day it's not anyone else's place to really place judgment on how we heal our mental health because mental health is so different than you know physical injuries and physical health because it's just like everyone's brain works different. And so not every treatment plan is going to work for every single person. And so, you know, if we can have some different options, then let us have those. And if it works, then there should be, you know, in a perfect world, I would say there shouldn't be any judgment on that. Right. That's what I feel deep down but you know when I came out about that on my my Instagram I just did a post a little post about it saying you know well basically I use medical cannabis to treat my PTSD and it helps it works wonders for me and I did not get one negative comment like even people who I thought like who I wouldn't have thought of even getting a message from had messaged me Mm. and like said I am in full support of this and I am so happy you found something that works for you I was actually kind of shocked like not that I was wanting to put anyone down at all but you know I just I I guess I was kind of worried about you know that stigma around it and I didn't know who would you know say anything negative if that was the case you know so I was actually quite surprised so that kind of was that changed my perspective about it a little bit because I just wasn't expecting so much positivity around it. So then it made me want to even like talk about it more. <laughs> Cause I'm yeah. like, heck yeah. Like, you know, I was stoked about this on my own, but like now that everyone else is stoked for me, like this is awesome. That's like, amazing. Everyone who wants to get a medical card, let's go get one together. Yes. <laughs> and then let's have a social circle. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, not to be that stereotypical person. But like, but I, hey, if it works, it works, You know right? what I mean, you know, like, it's just, it, there shouldn't, I wish there wasn't. And I think that's slowly changing, and as more 
and more research comes out, I think it'll slowly start to change even more. And I mean, you notice how much it's changed even in the last like five to 10 years. Right. And it's just, it's crazy. And so I'm super excited to see where things kind of go. Because, I mean, especially in Utah, like, I didn't really foresee Utah passing any, any laws regulating even medical cannabis. And so when that, when they passed that law, like, two, two years ago, I think, three years ago, I can't remember. um, You know, I was stoked. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, like, hey, like, heck, yeah. I mean, that was before I had any knowledge of any thing that I would be dealing with like I wasn't even smoking weed at that time I was just you know I was just in favor of it at the time yeah little did I know I would be like using it as medication every single day right (laughs) yeah if only we knew right again there's no shame in that and whatever we can do to help us that's healthy and that you know can help us heal yeah, you know, because it's like it's still something that I think should be regulated to a certain degree, but you know, it's medication for. I mean, I can call it medicine, right? <laughs> and it is. It's plant medicine, and you know, it's just. I'm just really grateful that I found a more. I just wanted to be a more natural route. I didn't want to be on all of those prescriptions and like all those side effects and just mixing all those different things. It's like, it just scared the crap out of me. And I was like, where this, I I've already noticed that this kind of works. Like, let's just see if I can just use that because it's just seems like way better. (laughs) And it is. (laughs) So I have one more question, and this is something that I like to ask survivors, um, and it, it does have two parts. Um, in your healing process so far, what has been the most difficult part, and then what has been the most powerful or positive part? Oof. Um, you know, I think there's been so many different phases in this like last few months I would say this healing process I've been through so far (laughs) and each part has its has its hardest part right but honestly I think the hardest part was when I got the diagnosis and not immediately getting it because I had been able to foresee that coming And then, but it wasn't until about a week after that, where the reality of that really set in. Mm. And I was actually visiting one of my friends in California at the time. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I didn't even tell them about it because I was just like, I need to like process this myself. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I have PTSD. Like what? Like that's kind of that's intense (laughs) to say the least. And let me hold on, piece that together. So I would like that whole month after, and like that was around the same time I found your podcast. And then I actually found, I found another one. I think it's just, um, it's not you, it's your trauma. I think that's what it's called. Ooh. Um, I think that's what it is. I'd have to double check. But, and then just, I found a bunch of YouTube videos and like just all of this different, all these articles and different sources of information where I was just like intellectualizing everything and hyper focusing, <laughs> trying to like understand what I was going through, like trying to understand myself really, because I was like, you know, and then while at the same time, you know, your grief, it's like, it's so hard to explain, but it's like you're grieving the loss of a person that you never had or that you thought you were, you know, or 
I don't know if I'm even, let me rephrase that. <laughs> or maybe we can just like edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just like, <clears throat> oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought. That's okay. Let's just, why don't you tell us what the best part or like the positive part has been for you? Oh, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Are you, if that helps. Was like cut a part of it out, right? Um, I actually can't. <laughs> oh my gosh. But that's okay. okay. Like, you it's okay. What? You're it's doing fine. great. This is part of, this is part of who I am. That's this is fine. the process. And it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know what? It's fine. I was it just, is. you know, it's the hardest part. And I, I don't like, you know, it's hard to think about things like this for me sometimes because, it's just sometimes those hard stuff that even still, you know, I'm guilty of um, Oh, let's see. I think Natalie, did you mute yourself on accident? Let's Oh, there we go. My, we my lost you for a second. Black. Oh no. There we go. We got you back. Okay, we're back. My I've had this on my phone and so um but you should be good now. Can you hear me okay? Yep, we're all good. Okay. (laughs) I apologize everyone. (laughs) It's all good. Um yeah, no, PTSD is rough. And that that month after of like all that knowledge deep diving while also just like you know feeling bad not feeling bad for myself because you know it's kind of you were doing the best that you could you were in survival mode and those are all trauma responses and we're learning how to combat those now we're you know we're we're changing those patterns and it's okay and like you know, it still doesn't, you know, we're, we can't change the things that we've been through. We can't change the things that have happened to us, but we can change how we, we can get past the hurt, we can heal, and we can, you know, change our perspective of the world into a better one. Because I think, at least for me, mine, I was, it was just the world is full of danger, and it's not, even you know like I got to adulthood and that was just like that's when my symptoms started getting out of hand and then I was just like well what's why why are we just gonna I don't know so then we made the call to get help but the so that's the hardest part. And I'm, I'm sorry for, I apologize for the major tangent there. It's okay. But to sum things up, the best part has been the amount of love and support that I have felt on a level that I can't describe. And like, it's not to say that I never expected it, but I think the harsh realization for me was like you know I had told myself I had deserved those things I had told myself I had I had deserved you know the world and people who treat me with love and respect and that want the best for me right but I think you know there was a deep there was a part of me deep down that didn't fully accept that quite yet Mm -hmm. and so you know, as hard as talking about these things are, as hard as these conversations are, um, like, they're so important to have because I didn't think that, you know, hearing other people's stories would make me feel, like, super great because they're sad. You know, I don't like to hear that other bad things have happened to other people, but you know, it's, it's kind of a community when you find like with this flourishing with PTSD community and other survivor groups, mm-hmm. it helps put things into perspective. And, you know, it doesn't matter if someone's 
further along on their healing journey than you are. Like, we're all here to support each other. And, you know, you might lose a lot of friends along the way and, and just people because you're growing. And sometimes the harsh reality is people aren't going to want to go on that journey with you. And you have to make that decision to, you know, continue onward and whether they join you or not. And so I feel super lucky to have such a good support support system within my family. But then, you know, I also have, you know, it's a small group of friends, but, you know, they're my ride or dies and they carry me. They've carried me through everything as well. And so you know, it's just, we can't do this PTSD healing. We can't do all of this stuff on our own as much as we can try. I think, you know, and we can just, but the sooner we can get some support, the better and the the quicker we can be healed. I think, you know, I'm in such mm-hmm. a better spot now than I was six months ago, even it's like, I can't even recognize myself. <laughs> and it's just that's how I wake up every day now is I'm just like, I don't know what we're really gonna feel today. But like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, those, those episodes still hit, you know, I just kind of had one for an entire month. And that's, you know, part of the reality, I think, of having this mental illness, but it's really the game changer is finding healthy ways, not only healthy ways to cope, but just what works best for you. And so, you know, the importance of is experimenting with, with different things. And, you know, maybe that's, you know, just some simple self-care. Maybe that's going on a little road trip or a hike or watching a movie or just like you know it could literally be anything yeah and then just like finding a medication route that works for you you know I would always suggest therapy and um you know just and then if you want to go just talk to your doctor and see what's out there I don't think there's there's not really a right or wrong way to do it I think it's just you know staying healthy for one and then whatever option works best totally yeah well Natalie thank you so so much for being so courageous enough to you know come on here and share your story and you know talk about how you have coped with PTSD and also like the celebration of you know the leaps and bounds that you've made in six months I mean that is truly incredible and I'm celebrating with you and the community here is celebrating with you and um no I'm just I'm so grateful that you're here and thank you all to the listeners of Flourishing with PTSD for being here um you know this is just it's such a privilege to be here and to speak with new people and hear more than just my perspective so let's keep ending the stigma of one conversation at a time everyone take care and we'll talk to you next time bye thank you Amanda Absolutely.